Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. This is a very exciting episode for us as we got to chat last week with one of America's celebrity BFFs, Busy Phillips. We talked to her about her late night show, Busy Tonight, her book, This Will Only Hurt a Little, a buzzy campaign she just unveiled for Aerie, and a whole lot of stuff uh, in addition to all of that. So we're really excited for you guys to listen to our chat with her. Plus, we have got to get to Megan and her banana messages. We heard from so many of you guys, um, and we can't wait to discuss. We're also going to get into Kate's jam-packed Tuesday morning, where she shared the latest meal she likes to make with George and Charlotte. I feel like we kind of have cornered the market a little on royal-related food stories. I don't know why. I feel like they're always it's always somehow related to them <laughs> making some dish, or I don't know. Right. It's the perfect intersection of our interests. So let's start with Megan. Uh, We got maybe more DMs and messages about this news story than almost any other. Maybe the royal wedding was up there, but it was up there with the amount of messages we got for this particular item. It's an insane news story that I think can best be summarized by the headline of Josh's write-up on VanityFair.com. Meghan Markle wrote positive messages on bananas for Bristol sex workers. I mean... (laughs) I feel like it's just really putting it plainly. Okay, on Friday, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry made an unannounced stop to the charity 125, which, per their description, reaches out to women trapped in or vulnerable to street sex work, supporting them to break free and build new lives away from violence, poverty, and addiction. While there, as seen in a video posted by the Kensington Royal account, Megan came up with an idea to write messages on the skins of bananas. Per Royal reporters covering the event, the bananas were included in bags that would be handed out to women working on the streets of Bristol. When Megan saw the bag, she said, I saw this project that a woman had started somewhere in the States on a school lunch program. On each of the bananas, she wrote an affirmation to make the kids feel really empowered. It was the most incredible idea, this small gesture. Amazingly, there is video evidence that this actually happened, which I don't think we would believe it if there wasn't. But Megan can be heard announcing, I'm in charge of the banana messaging, as she takes her Sharpie to write on the fruit. Some of the messages that were pictured include, you are strong, you are loved, and you are brave. The CEO of the charity told reporter Omid Scobie, she listened and heard that we don't judge, we just offer our service. She totally got it. Josh, what do you think of this all? (laughs) I think we got some great commentary from listeners, which we'll get into, and I feel like people had some interesting uh, analysis. I think it feels very much to me like exactly aligned with when she brought the banana bread no coincidence like i don't know if it's a coincidence or not that these are both banana related when she brought the banana bread to that appearance in australia or when she um i think there's been a few times she's written like personalized letters or done things that have this kind of like extra flair to them 
And one of her last Instagrams was the picture of the bananas spooning. Yeah, that's true. The, which people at the time thought was some sort of uh, kind of little tip off that it was a, a kind of affirming that she was dating Harry at the time. I think it was a nice gesture. I mean, I think the main thing it did, which I guess I wasn't even thinking about so much in the moment, but then after is I've now in every single write up, obviously they mentioned the charity. It was like the best possible thing I feel like that could ever happen to an organization because it's such a kind of unusual item that I feel like everyone has to read the headline twice to even kind of understand what's going on. And then I feel like people, there's like a curiosity factor. You're looking at the video. She's writing on bananas. It's super like strange and not what you would expect to see the Duchess of Sussex doing. So I feel like it got everyone, I don't know. And if like whatever percentage of people started looking up this charity or tried to find out more about it, feel like it's about as good as it can get. I'm a little confused about having read like 80 different things about this. You would think I would know, <laughs> but it just seems so spontaneous that she wrote on the bananas and then they got the bananas and they're kind of packed. It was like a package of all different sort of items that they were given. Um, but I guess I'm wondering sort of what happened from there or what, how they, you know, how, like, how was it communicated that Meghan Markle had written the messages? Right. Or, I know. Or, I don't know. I, like, as ever, I'm always wanting to know more details about sort of, like, how this all goes down. Right. We wanted someone with a camera to be following the story through to, like, Meghan handing out that lunch, someone opening it up and seeing the message. And what an amazing kind of, like, you're, you get this message personally written for Meghan Markle, and then you can't really preserve it in any way. So it, I guess maybe that's sort of not the point, but I don't know. It, it seems to me like you'd want to be able to have that as something that, like, can really motivate, like, be a kind of inspirational thing. Right. That was my only gripe is that bananas expire so quickly. Couldn't she have written it on a little piece of paper to stick into the notes? I think it seemed very spontaneous. I actually thought the video made it clear to me it wasn't like the banana bread, which I feel like I feel like she had that banana bread idea a month before the tour that she was going to do that when she got to Australia, (laughs) you know, bring something nice to the kind of one of her first visits. But this felt very to me. She saw it. Maybe it struck something in her head. She remembered this from the other school. And I kind of love that impulsiveness, which I feel like you don't see that much. That also feels very Markle-ish. And I feel like had she run this by anyone at the palace, they would have said absolutely not. Yeah, it's like she went a little rogue. And I feel like you and me very much appreciate that. We love some rogue. We love some rogue, ener- <laughs> we love some rogue energy. I don't know. It's sort of trying to help remove a stigma, I think, a little bit about like these people that I think was good and positive and something you don't always see royals kind of trying to get themselves involved with. I feel like it was a really nice sort of gesture. I don't know. I know. I'm curious whether Kate and William have done a lot of work around charities for sex workers. I don't think, I mean, it doesn't ring a bell if something has happened recently. Right, I can't see Kate in that environment. What was interesting is that it was unannounced, but then they put it up on the social feeds after. So, right. so the palace clearly, you know, had planned this, thought about it, decided what they wanted to put up. No, that is a really good call. They would not have released that video of Megan saying, I'm in charge of banana messaging if they hadn't been supportive of this gesture. Really I do, I do love that quote. I'm in charge of the banana messaging. 
<laughs> We're going like, to get a t-shirt that says that. What are the odds? I know we have to add that to our quote book. What are the odds? If you if there had been one of those like weird, you know, for Super Bowls that you can bet on all those weird specific bets, like that that would be a sentence uttered by a royal in the year 2019. <laughs> I know. I'm also, in charge I, of the banana messaging. I wonder if Meghan has ever written an affirmation on a banana for Prince Harry. But of all the people in the world, he seems like the person least in need of an affirmation. But Harry was watching on during the Sharpie writing. Did you see that? Oh, I didn't even see that. Proudly? Yeah. He looked like into it. That's my girl. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay, so some of this feedback we got. Addison Wellesley brought up Megan's long-running fixation with bananas from the banana bread she whipped up. We talked about this a little bit with the royal tour to the spooning bananas Megan Instagrammed. I love this quote from RPV Foodie. Quote, this has to be the weirdest story. I had to read the Daily Mail headline three times and I still don't get it. And I feel like there is something about the kind of trying to uh, like unpack what exactly went on that was going on with this story that maybe drove a lot of the interest. Right. Because I feel like it was, when I first saw it, I was so confused. And then you have to kind of like read through it to understand what's going on. I mean, I'm honestly still a little bit confused by it just because it is so bonkers. Yeah, Crazy. Just the Sharpies. I don't know. That's why I want to make sure also the people who received them were under, like, able to understand what was going on. Because couldn't you think they also would see the banana not even process what was happening? I don't know. Well, right. With someone there to say, you know, Megan signed this banana. Also, there's part of me, just because I am cynical and skeptical, and I don't enjoy that about myself, but... Did, <laughs> I love did that the... as a <laughs> precursor for a comment. <laughs> But did any of the employees even give out these bananas, or do you think they kept them for themselves as mementos? (laughs) And would you do that, Josh? Gosh, how accusing to think I would even dream of doing that. Um, I did interesting note that Julie included here was that Megan only signed six or seven bananas. I love how Julie puts in only. (laughs) Or is that taken from somewhere? (laughs) How many bananas do you want her to sign? Because I envisioned at first, like, she had a whole assembly line going. Harry's handing her the banana. She's, like, doing her calligraphy. I don't know. I imagined it would be, like, 50. Right. But it is interesting. So it's a really, there's only (laughs) five or six of these out on the planet. I know. Limited edition And considering that we talked about this when Prince Philip got in that car accident, that that piece of, like, shrapnel like the door of his car was selling for like $200,000 on eBay before they took it down. I can only imagine how much one of these bananas would go for. I would empty my savings account to get a hold of video of some royal palace member trying to explain to Prince Philip what went on here with the banana. Right, how Megan, why she signed these bananas, just trying to explain the entire story. A hundred percent. I want like to be in the briefing room when the Queen and Prince Philip (laughs) figured I heard about all of this. All right, let's get to Kate, who had a very different sort, no bananas involved. Um And this was a very classic Kate experience, I would say. Oh, can't wait to get into this then. (laughs) But first, actually, the first was not so classic Kate. A bunch of you guys sent us this photo. It's sort of a series of paparazzi shots of Kate. And they looked almost like they're from 2007, if you were mistaken or were looking quickly. But she was photographed in this red dress and during Carol Middleton's birthday party which you know was an incredibly decorated, ornate affair, I can only imagine. I mean, it was hosted at Pippa's home. 
And Julie, I don't know if you agree with me here, but in one of these, she arrived without William. She kind of has this black jacket over her red dress. And in one of the photos, she has her hand up in her hair, kind of like brushing it back. And it almost looked like Lindsay Lohan entering a nightclub in 2006 or something. Like something about the entering out of exiting a car, kind of keeping her head down, not looking at the cameras. It was very like TMZ culture from like 10 years ago or something. Yeah, I was I was confused seeing the photo because I thought it was from her pre-Duchess no. days. Just because she doesn't seem to be surrounded by the usual entourage of security No, members. no security, which someone pointed out when they sent it to us. Uh, I think it's very fun to imagine or see the royals in this kind of context where it's just a little more normal. There's also a really good photo from the next morning in the Daily Mail of Michael Middleton, Carol's husband and Kate's dad, leaving the next morning holding a box of flowers. Julie, what do you think this party was like? And do you think there was no social media allowed? Or what do you think goes on at these kind of, I guess, like party, you know, probably pretty fancy or since on some level parties? Was it a small family affair, do we know? They said one of, like, Kate's friends was there. I don't know, James Middleton was there. So it might have been a small family affair. And do you feel like maybe there's also... I feel like they don't talk about, quote-unquote, work, if you know what I mean. I feel like they don't talk about, like, royal things or whatever. But how could you resist, especially after the banana messaging? (laughs) Like they really go in. I guess that's true. I just feel like they would be so nervous if others were around. But maybe it's like a very safe space. You're so good at these fantasy scenarios. What do you picture going on inside of this party? I actually feel like they, I agree with you on the board games, but I feel like there becomes a point. I feel like Carol likes to party. Like I have a feeling that, you know, they have some drinks and then maybe at 10 when the, when, I don't know, were the kids even there? Probably not. I feel like maybe like some music comes on, dancing. I guess not at Pippa's house. Don't you feel like she likes to dance and kind of just like get loose a little bit? I can see Carol being like one of those fun moms yeah, that like exactly. drinks a little too much wine. Yeah, has, has, we've had a few glasses of wine at this point. You know, the right Adele song comes on. <laughs> like like a re- the, the fast Adele song, you know what I mean? Not like the slow right. ballads, but like... You know, and then she kind of like gets up and does like lip syncing on the couch or something. I could see that. And Kate's like loving it, but Kate stays seated and doesn't really get up. Exactly. And like Pippa and James kind of go for it. Also, doesn't Pippa have like a one, a six month old or Pippa's a young son at this point. I know. Um, I know. Bold for her to be hosting a party. Okay. So then today, this morning we're recording, Kate really pulled out all the stops. She wore these kind of very trendy, fashion-forward black boots. Did you see them, Julie? No, but I love it. You uh, include links. <laughs> so, so I'm pulling this up right now. I'm sure this is extremely you need to really airtime. I really want you to look in at the boots. Okay. I'm, oh. I'm, I think I've definitely overdone it, but... Oh, my goodness. These boots, I would not have. Wow. I mean, I feel I would like not have just, expected it because it's like a lace-up boot situation. Yeah, little lace-up boot with like a yeah, kind of um, they're just a little more. I hesitate to say cool, but yeah. I mean, this is ab- about as punk rock as Kate Middleton has ever gone. Yes, exactly. They are a little rocker, uh, yes. which I am into. Uh, so she visited these two London schools. It's in connection with Children's Mental Health Week, one of Kate's big causes. 
she was in this year two classroom and there was an activity where each student had to share an object that made them feel good. And I guess this probably shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. Kate picked a photo of her family, specifically the portrait used on their 2018 Christmas card, which we just, we analyzed in depth uh, over Christmas time because it was released in tandem with that kind of scandalous Meghan Harry one. So she brought in the Christmas card. Julie, I feel like we had high, I had very high hopes when I started to read about this. Like, what was Kate's object going to be? And I was a little bit let down that it was just a photo of her family. And like an official portrait. That's like you and me going into the show and tell and saying, here, this is a photo that makes me really happy. And it's like a professional headshot. Right. It did feel that way to me. It was like, I almost feel like some staffer handed it to her like last minute because they realized they needed something for her to like hand out for this game. And then this quote is really just, it's hard to even know what to say about it, but here we go. This is what she said in the round table with the kids. This is a photograph of my family. These are my children, and this is my husband. And my family makes me very happy. And we like playing outside together and spending lots of time together as a family. And that makes me feel very happy. Like, wow, really giving us the details, Kate. I cannot imagine saying less in three sentences and than that is saying. <laughs> Um, She's really not giving much away there. No. I kind of wanted her to give some anecdotes to these kids or maybe some sort of behind-the-scenes detail about what the shoot was like. Anything. It's almost... Right. To me, it almost feels like, you know, Kate at this point knows she's been topped by Megan and she's just not even going to try anymore. She's like, this is what you're going to get. And then... This is on some odd food-related details. They were talking about, like, food diaries and how important it is to eat, to keep up your metabolism. I don't know. You know what I mean? (laughs) Your energy. (laughs) Wow, put me in the nutritionist's office to do some PSAs. Kate (laughs) divulged that uh, Charlotte and George like to cook with her, and she noted that they recently made, quote, cheesy pasta, unquote, together. Julie is side-eyeing that detail. (laughs) The cheesy pasta is not a popular dish in the Miller household. And this was surprising to me because I don't know a lot of, maybe kids have, we're learning a lot recently about how little I know about like the habits of three and five-year-olds. But Charlotte is is a fan of olives, Kate said. Is that usually a food you'd associate a three-year-old with enjoying? No, that seems what a palate that girl has. Olives and cheesy pasta. How sophisticated. Well, I just don't know what cheesy pasta is, I guess. Is it macaroni and cheese? Is it... Oh, interesting. Is that the British way of kind of... Is it tomato sauce with just like... What do um, you call it? The Parmesan shaker thing? Some craft Parmesan on it? Okay, okay. Yeah, maybe. We need more. I think we need to kind of figure out what is meant by cheesy pasta and then get next time we're together, give it a shot in the kitchen. I'm not blown away by this detail, but I'm blown away by the next one and I can't (laughs) wait for you to read it. (laughs) The dog of it all. That's what I called this section. So as if this wasn't enough Kate action for the day, which like it really wasn't that much on them reading it back, but I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the family portrait and then this cheesy pasta detail. Kate was also, I love that you call that action. Like, yeah. it's Convander some kind of, like, <laughs> Liam Neeson plot line or something. Uh, 
Kate was also greeted by a cockapoo named Herbie, the school dog. And this is the description that People offers of what went down when the Duchess and the dog met. This is from People.com, I should clarify. She knelt down to give him a pat. This is Herbie the dog. Only for the pooch to put his paws on her arms to get a closer sniff. But Kate didn't seem to mind, smiling and chatting with his student handler as Herbie poked his nose around her signature bouncy blowout. That is the level of detail Julie and I demand from our reporting. Oh my gosh, and this photo that accompanies it is just too cute. Wow, Julie is fully charmed by it. Give me a dog named Herbie. Give me a dog with like... (laughs) A cute name, and I am all into it. Also, it's really, I really think it's sweet how the student is holding the dog on the leash. It's just like a sweet kind of tableau. And I, there's a photo that they put up on the official account that I thought was great. Although Um, this poor kid, I feel bad. His head is like halfway cut (laughs) off. It would be really cute. That could have been his, that he could have paid his way through college with the, I don't know what. The fame off of that photo. Um, Okay, so I feel like you're going to not agree with me here, but one of my takeaways was the dog interaction, which we don't see a lot of, where she's really letting the dog kind of engage with her. The personal photo, which again, we agreed we wanted more from, but still the cooking-related anecdote. It's a little, does it remind us in any way of Megan-y behavior? You think not. No, I think if Megan had to produce something that meant a lot to her in that setting. Oh, my God. (laughs) It would be so wild. I can't even imagine. Like a dream catcher (laughs) she made herself or... Like some rare stone that she found in her travels 10 years ago that she keeps on her side. Yeah, like, exactly. It would have some sort of, like, backstory to it. It would definitely be much more personal, I think, than just the official Christmas card card that the palace released. Agreed. I'm just imagining if Josh and I had been in the audience for that show and tell, I feel like we wouldn't be able to hide our, like, disappointment. What would you have brought? I don't even know what item I would bring. My, my cell phone? Like <laughs> <laughs> This also brings me a lot of happiness, yes. I really, it's kind of depressing how I can't even think of one object I could bring that would be appropriate. Maybe, I guess I must have some personal artifact. Well, that's, I guess, my way of trying to kind of acknowledge Kate having and being in a tough bind here. Because anything she brought was going to be picked apart. So I feel like this was her safest option. True. All right. Before we get into busy, Julie, I know you went to the Oscar nominee luncheon yesterday where you got to see every nominee in the flesh, have lunch, do a champagne toast, pose for a photo. I'm sure most of you guys saw the photo because it gets widely kind of disseminated once it comes out. I think my the thing I need to know most is I want to know everything about what Lady Gaga was doing. She was wearing this kind of amazing white drapey dress. What was it like to be in her presence and what were her interactions like? And if you haven't, Julie wrote a really amazing detailed report that's on the Vanity Fair website, which you should check. Probably too much detail. Like I was, I was st- loving it. And I have another anecdote <laughs> I want to ask you about from that write-up. Stalker level detail. Um, it's kind of interesting as an event because you get um, 
sorry, you're assigned a table at complete random. Like they have one of those lottery spinners when you check in. I lucked out. I was seated at table two. I had a better seat than Glenn Close. Wait, Bradley what? Cooper. Yes, I was right in front, like bottom. I was next to Lady Gaga, one table over. Did you so, say anything to her? No, I just watched, stared <laughs> like a hawk. Uh, so it's interesting because obviously there were uh, amazing actors there. You know, Bradley Cooper, Amy Adams, Glenn Close, like I said, I was Mahershala Ali, who would Regina you, King. Who would you say was the most coveted person for people to talk to? Like, who would the people want the selfies with? I would say Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, but she just gives off this aura of otherworldliness, so much so, especially in this setting. That you might not wearing, want to approach her. Exactly. And she arrived, she was the last to arrive, and I kind of love that, even though she's not, I think, favorite to win, at least in the acting category. She probably will for best song. Um, it was such a dramatic entrance. She came in as everybody was already sitting down for lunch. She had this floor-length ivory gown on, looks incredible, platinum blonde waves in her hair. She was followed by a male assistant who was carrying her purse. It was full Tony Hale and Veep Five. situation. Wait, also, Slash, can I get that job? <laughs> I know, right? So I was just watching. After she sat down, she, like, introduced herself to all of her table mates, which can you even imagine, like, having Lady Gaga have to introduce herself? Incredible. That's like the woman who said to Prince George, who are you? <laughs> right. <laughs> But anytime she needed something, she wouldn't reach for the bag. Her assistant would pull up this bag and kind of dig through for her, which was incredible. Also, just the audacity, not the audacity, but just the confidence one must have to wear an all-white floor-length <laughs> gown is incredible in this situation. But then it was a lunch. She led her entire table in a toast, which I thought was very moving. She was definitely the only table that was like leading any sort of toast. But that was very cute. What, um, was, the the, what was the toast to? Just could you hear? The, just to the nomination. Nations. To the nominees. I like that. She kind of has like a social vibe and she's engaging everyone. Right. Probably the funniest conversation I watched creepily from a distance was Bradley Cooper and Spike Lee. Yeah. So animated. Everybody was sitting down and they were almost holding this sort of like business slash pitch meeting. But I've never seen such excitement, joy. I mean, they covered a lot of different emotions. Uh, over the weekend, Bradley had told a story during some sort of panel discussion at a DGA brunch that he once auditioned for Spike, and Spike didn't cast him. It was like a very funny story. I think they bonded over that, and they kind of continued the conversation, conversation. at this luncheon. But it seemed almost like they were pitching some sort of movie together. I've never seen, I don't know. That kind of chemistry would make for like an amazing buddy comedy. They really had it. Spike wow. Lee had these really cool gold sneakers that had Black Klansman, the name of his nominated movie, kind of emblazoned on the side. Your girl, Glenn, looked amazing in a lavender suit. And when she and Lady Gaga kind of took their places for the class photo, they waved at each other. It was very cute. Did you sense the, like, a, was it a friendly rivalry kind of wave? No, or like a very was, nice, kind wave? 
It was very nice. It was a very warm wave. Um, so after lunch, they call every nominee up on the risers. Laura Dern, who's the Academy governor, calls everybody up, which gives it. And she, I feel like, is the perfect person because she does have this very supportive mom energy. Yes, yes. So she called everybody up. Uh, the people who got the biggest round of applause were... Spike Lee, Mahershala Ali, and Regina King, who's favorite to win for If Beale Street Could Talk. And I saw Laura Dern posted an Instagram of her and Gaga. And she was said she was said, like, so great to see my friend or something like that, which I was dying to know what that conversation would be like. Laura Dern couldn't really contain herself because she was announcing all these nominees and she didn't go off script at all until she came to Lady Gaga. She said, the next woman here is a queen, Lady Gaga. So Lady Gaga went up to that, which is amazing. But, like, if I'm Glenn Close, like, I feel like I deserve the same kind of introduction. She did not get it. Wait, I also thought it was interesting. In your write-up, you noted that Shallow started playing while the photo was being taken. Is that right? Yes. So once everybody is up, Laura Dern in her most supportive mom voice says, like, these are your 2019 Oscar nominees. Okay, everybody, look up. I want you to take a picture. Say Oscar, like super cheesy. And then Shallow starts playing and Bradley and Lady Gaga were separated by one person, but they exchanged such such a loving glance, Josh. You and I would have exchanged the uh. exact same one had our song been playing. It was really cute. Also, say what you will about Lady Gaga. These people have to be clapping for over 100 nominees. It goes on for about 15 minutes. Christian Bale looked like he had disassociated, disembodied himself and was like... Like he in was a different on a, like space and time? He was in a different space and time, just like mechanically clapping, robotically, which of course I was too in the audience. But Lady Gaga, I gotta say, clapped for each like visual <laughs> effect person, sound effect, sound mixer person, as if they were like a dear, beloved friend finally getting their due. It was kind of sweet. I don't know how she maintains that level of just in-the-momentness, but I give she, like, a lot of respect to her. Do you feel like there's any way to gauge... Like, it seems like from the applause people get in the room, it seems like Regina King was, like, sort of... In terms of, like, who's going to win or who people, like, are talking about winning... No, not really. I think everybody was just excited to be there. I was at a table with Richard E. Grant, who was a supporting actor um, in Will You Ever Forgive Me? And he was just, I love that he was owning up to his shameless selfie seeking. He took one with Bradley Cooper, with Glenn Close, with Sam Elliott. With Lady Gaga, he, like, knelt down beside her. Oh, my God. I know, as if he was talking to an actual queen. It was kind of cute. Um... I just love seeing how actors interact with each other. And Linda Cardellini, who's in Green Book, was kind of trailing Viggo Mortensen around. I got the feeling that she didn't know a lot of people. A lot of people, people, so she's sticking to her person. We've all been there. All been there. So Viggo goes up to Bradley Cooper, and they had this, like, loving exchange, catch-up. And Viggo didn't introduce Linda (laughs) to Bradley Cooper. I would have been so mad. She was, like, off-standing. Oh my God. That's like a, that's the kind of thing that's happened to me before where you're waiting for that intro and then the person doesn't deliver and you don't know if you should barge in. And it just never comes. Linda, Um, 
I love I that you got, I love that you got to witness all of this. You're right there. I can't believe you were a table away from Glenn and Gaga and just keeping it all together. I know. I had a better seat than Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> that should be on your LinkedIn page or something. Um, 